Hi HR Nation, it's Chris Rainey. Welcome to HR Leaders, the show where we interview today's most successful and innovative HR practitioners. Today, we're lucky enough to be joined by Victoria Powell. Victoria is the Head of HR Transformation and Services at Capgemini. Uh, Victoria, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. Nice to be here. <laughs> nice to meet you too. Um, Victoria, fit in the gaps. Tell HR Nation um, a little bit more about yourself um, and your journey to becoming the uh, Head of HR Transformation and Services at Capgemini. Indeed. So I joined uh, Capgemini back in 2004. Um, and I actually joined at that time as an IT program manager. Um, for those out there who aren't familiar with Capgemini, um, we have about 190,000 people in over 40 countries. And as a bit of trivia, we're celebrating our 50th anniversary this year. Fantastic. Um, yeah, it's, we're pretty excited about it. If you, uh, if you search the hashtag Capgemini50, you'll see lots and lots of stories about our birthday. I make, I'll make sure I add that in our posts. <laughs> ah, thank you. Um, so yeah, we're a we, we're a leader in the consulting te technology and outsourcing service industries. Um, and as I say, I joined in our technology services business back in 2004. Um, I moved into HR almost by accident in 2009. So I was invited to join as a result of having that kind of project management background mm -hmm. to bring some of that into HR and to bring um, kind of a slightly more commercial focus, I guess, to HR at that time. Um, and since then, I, it's the roles developed really organically. I guess if you had asked me back in 2009, will you stay in HR for the next decade, I, I would have probably said no. Huh. Um, but as it's transpired, it moved on. I became lead business partner in um, part of our UK business. I then went on to become the HR director for our business down in Australia for a year. Mm -hmm. um, then led a large transformation in the UK, and now I'm back in the UK as head of HR services and transformation. So it's it's been quite an organic journey, <laughs> to be honest, um, to this point, but a really, really exciting one. Fantastic. It sounds like it. So going back from sort of the, to the beginning, really, what compelled you to pursue a career in, in the field of HR? Um, well, as I said, it, it was almost an accident. Um, so I, I joined, I guess, to, to give more project management focus to the team, but then became really quickly, really excited by what was actually happening in HR. So when I compare it to leading technology projects, which again, fabulous job, but when you're operating with people, you can just never predict where things are going to go, the kind of challenges you face on a daily basis, as all of your practitioners out there will know, you know, no two days are the same. Yeah. And I love that. I really love that. Um, and I found that the, the breadth which you need to have to run services, so you know, the services I'm accountable for at the moment cover everything from sort of payroll, HR help desk, so sort of more administrative, right the way through to, you know, compensation and benefits, international assignments, analytics, which is a, a new practice. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's always an opportunity to balance that kind of operational challenges with a real strategic focus, you know, where should analytics be going? Where, how should we be organizing HR in an organization like Capgemini? We serve about 9,000 employees, so, you know, it's a decent size employee base to 
kind of have some fun and, and think about how we organize the services to give them best value. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it it's the best job I've ever had without a doubt. And I think that's why I've uh, stayed there and evolved the role. Yeah, I was going to say that, you know, it's not many um, people I speak to that have been with a business as long as you have. So clearly I can hear the passion and excitement that you have um, in, in your in your job. So that's that's pretty incredible. I suppose that's the reason why you're still there, right? Indeed. <laughs> uh, so, great. I think in since 2004, you know, I've worked in two countries in three completely different areas of our business in probably five or six different jobs. Um and I think, you know, talking about successes and I think Capgemini is a firm which really values people being mobile around the business mm-hmm. and getting those different perspectives. And for someone like me who thrives in an environment of change, it's it's a it's a perfect fit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, absolutely. That's why I've stayed. Fantastic. Well, it's crazy to think that there's still businesses at the moment that don't offer their employees that, that flexibility when you mentioned the mobility side. And yes. having a mobile, it's it's crazy. So um, it it probably wouldn't work for me. I think before, just I mean, before I joined Capgemini, I'm happy to to come clean and admit that my longest tenure in any one single organisation was three years. Mm-hmm. So I think that really says something about Capgemini. I'm coming across as an evangelist now, but I, I guess I am one after being there that long. Yeah. Uh, you know, it says something about an organization where it historically over, I don't know, 15 years or so career, mm-hmm. uh, three years was my max. And I've been there since 2004. And, yeah. and it's solely, I think, down to mobility. Fantastic. Well, it just, it just shows how those things can be, you know, I think a lot of companies take that for granted. But in your case, you can see how major the impact that that's had on you being there and keeping someone like yourself in the business. So it's it's perfect. It's, it's uh, even in my last role. Um, you know, I was there for ten years in in that role from the age of seventeen all the way upwards, which is quite quite. Um, it's not definitely not the norm. Let's say. No. Um, and uh, as I said, I spent the last ten years speaking with HR leaders, and it's very rare. I think the usual it's between two and three years before they move on um, to a new role. So it's very very rare that I speak to someone who's been in a role such as yourself for so long. And that's just a testament to the business. Um, so that's fantastic. Um, so moving on, what does your morning um, ritual look like? How do you spend the first few hours of your working day? Well, I, I kind of cheat here. So my morning ritual actually happens in general the evening before. Ah. So before I kind of put the day to bed, I actually just spend a few minutes reflecting on what I got done, what I didn't. Um, one of my really important rituals is reflecting daily or weekly on who I need to say thank you to. Oh, amazing. Um, so we have some you know, recognition tools, as many of your listeners will. And I think, you, you know, you really have to make an effort to make that part of your ritual. Mm-hmm. Actually, who, what can we celebrate? Who do I say thank you to? And then uh, I guess a more personal reflection. What did I get done? What are my goals? What do I need to get done tomorrow? Mm-hmm. So I kind of end the day by thinking ahead what do I intend to do with my morning? Mm-hmm. So generally when I arrive at my desk, I already have, you know, either electronically or a piece of paper, if I'm so inclined, a view of what my day looks like and where I intend to start. Mm-hmm. I'm, um, as you can tell by how much I move around jobs, I'm easily distracted. I know that. <laughs> so yeah. I'm trying to kind of keep myself honest. And I find, unfortunately, if I start the day on look, looking at my calendar, checking email, 
I can waste an enormous amount of time there. So for me, you know, my best part of my day is first thing in the morning, early while it's quiet. And if, if I can nail that, it sets me up for a great day. Yeah. So I, I tend to, you know, preempt that by, by working it out the night before. You know what? We, we share that in common. I do exactly the same thing before I go to sleep, uh, albeit I think that's the bad part because I do it in bed just before I go to sleep, which I get told off for many times. Um, I, I, I write a list on Evernote. Um, the, the app. Uh, yeah, that's what I use. And uh, that way, when I walk in the office the next day, as you just said, I'm not thinking about what do I need to do today? I've already got a very clear set of, of, of tasks yeah. that need to be completed. And then when I get home in the evening, I go through that list, reflect what did I get done, what I didn't, and then do the same thing all over again. And I found that really helps me when I get into the office. There's a clear objective and I know exactly what needs to be done. Um, I really like the part that you touched upon a moment ago as well about the sort of um, the thank you and um, uh, the, 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 uh, the gratitude that you show as well, because that means a lot to so many people. It's, it's huge, actually. Um, so that's that's fantastic that you have that as part of your routine and not just something you do here and there. So um, what made you come up with that, by the way? What made what made that part of your um, daily routine? Um, it, quite simply, we implemented a, a tool in Capgemini that allows peer-to-peer -peer recognition. Okay. So it can either be just a thank you mm -hmm. or, um, you know, if, if a manager decides it's appropriate, it can have some financial uh, you know, implications. But, you know, the majority are, are just saying thank you and I, I recognize that actually I wasn't using it this tool when it very very first came out I thought well it's a great product why am I not using it my team implemented it and actually the reason why was really simple because it wasn't part of my ritual uh, okay. um, so I put it in my calendar um, and initially I sort of put it in once a week every Friday afternoon just to remind me to pause to reflect and now it's becoming part of my dna and my daily ritual but i think if you want to change behavior whether it's your own or you know a corporate behavior creating a ritual uh, making it part of something else that you do is a really good way to embed that mm -hmm. um, and that's that's why it's part of my routine um but if i don't you know create a ritual around it it may not happen and that for me would be unacceptable on this one yeah, definitely. It's hard, isn't it? The, the, the difficult of any of these things is always getting people to adopt a new habit. You know, <laughs> it's very difficult for people to generate that habit. And as you said, unless you do it over and over again, it won't become part of, of your daily ritual and your habit. So that's fantastic. Um, outside of um, obviously setting up your morning ritual and, and what you're doing on your working day, what really occupies your mind on a, on a day to day basis? I suppose a, a couple of things. I mean, my job. I, I think is relatively unique. I mean, I, I, maybe your listeners will feel differently. Maybe there's lots of us out there and I look forward to hearing from them. <laughs> else has got a similar job to mine. But it's got a real mix, operational and strategic. Um, and I think, you know, obviously in any operational HR role, there's a focus on you know, making sure that those operations are aligned, really totally aligned to where our business is going, and a pretty rapidly changing HR environment out there. I mean, I didn't have a formal analytics team two years ago, for example. So it's, you know, constantly my brain is looking for what should be evolving, mm -hmm. what changes do I need to make to the team. But also then I need to balance that. My second thought is, you know, how much change can we accommodate? 
Yeah. And I look at that through two lenses. So the first is how much change can my team deliver? Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, you can bring extra resource, you can and you can do lots of things to create capacity, but I, I think there are still limits to how much change we can deliver and more importantly, perhaps most how much change the business can tolerate mm-hmm. in any time cycle. So my focus tends to be on that, taking that big picture view and thinking about everything that we're offering operationally and from a transformation perspective and just making sure that kind of works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's my focus. I can imagine it being as to how much change you can really have as a business whilst keeping everyone, keeping everyone engaged, whilst keeping the business moving in the right direction. So completely, completely understandable. Yeah. Uh, I think it is, and I, you don't, you know, nobody gets it right 100% of the time. So no. you know, you learn a lot by those occasions where perhaps you didn't get that balance quite right. And so, so at this point in your career, where you are now, obviously you've you've held a number of roles in the business. What would you say is your area of expertise? So, also, what's one topic or, or area that you that you feel that HR leaders should be doing more of? Uh, that might be. I think I'm like two different answers. Um, so I think the, the first, what do I see as my area of expertise? I think if you look at my career, uh, the golden thread is transformational change. Mm-hmm. So whether it was out as a, as a program delivery director, sort of delivering projects to our clients, um, or whether internally in HR, my focus has always been, you know, creating transformational change through people. And latterly, you know, in the last decade, through people and usually digital technology. So that, that I think, is my um, USP, were my, my, my core role. Of course, there are you know, plenty of operational skills that sits within that, but I think that, you know, that's the USP. In terms of what do I think HR leaders develop more of, hugely situational to do something different organizations will be on really different journeys um transformations as I just mentioned as being raised what, what what's one thing that you've been in within that area the biggest impact uh i think one thing your whole team around what's happening in the technology hr okay um so i think you know we're digitized probably a few of us would have expected 10 years ago. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> where we'll be in 10 years will probably be beyond my imagination and maybe beyond yours or yeah. who knows. The, the, the pace of evolution is accelerating, as we know. And I think just not being overwhelmed by that and not spending hours and hours on, you know, board, whatever, you're looking at every night, but, you know, just keeping near to what's changing to become more and more key for HR leaders. Mm-hmm. And um, for yourself personally, um, outside of your sort of daily role, or both internally and externally, what are your personal goals? I suppose personally, um, I tend to focus on two things. I, I, if I focus on too many, I get a bit lost. Um, you know, thinking from a, a, a lens, if I were to do nothing, I'd feel that my team had been developed and supported and my clients had been delighted. If I could end the year looking back, thinking, I think I've done those two things. 
that would make my life complete. You know, I, I think that if you do those two things, and, and probably I guess that the third thing would be personal growth. Sure. If I've, if I've, I'm a, I consider myself to be a lifelong learner. Um, I, I, I think that's part of who I am. Um, so I think you know if I've if I've done those three things, developed my team, delighted my clients, and, and developed myself, I think that's that's a successful year. Mm-hmm. From a, a professional lens, I think you know if we, if I can play a part in helping Capgemini to attract and retain the best possible talent. Um, you know, that, that for me, I think, translates to perhaps moving the dial on some of the digital HR experiences, um, creating opportunities to unlock talent. So, you know, looking at how we support and inspire um, people so we can start to tackle the skills gap, um, unlocking talent. Um, I think, you know, those are the sorts of areas where we want to focus. And it's hard sometimes, I think, to translate what we do on a day-to-day basis, running payroll, to those quality objectives. But I think, you know, it's really important to for yourself and your teams to create that link mm-hmm. um, all the time so that people understand, you know, why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah, just that making sure everyone has that sense of purpose and understanding what their individual, how that impacts the business in the- Exactly. Everyone needs purpose outside of just their actual job. <laughs> I think everyone knows what they're doing, um, sort of on a, on a technically on a day to day basis. But I think having a, a wider understanding of what the impact they have on the wider business and the sense of purpose. Yeah. That's the really the key to retaining employees and also having happy employees to go above and beyond their what, what's really required of them. So definitely agree with you on that one. Um, in terms of HR skills, what HR skills do you feel will be more important in the future? I think there are probably um, a, a couple of things. So we've talked a lot around, about technology. Yeah. So I think as a function, HR must become more technologically literate. I, I think for me that is an absolute given. Mm-hmm. Um, quite how that translates into people's operational data, I, I don't think I know yet, and I'm not sure. That is the question. He does, really. No uh, one does. That's that the question right now, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I think, I think it is, and you know, maybe we'll come back to technology. But I think for now, I think it is definitely something that I expect to see more of. Then I think there are two more things. So the first is agility. Um, I think HR professionals, in my experience, even in the decade or so I've been around, is I feel that roles were much more tightly defined uh, when I joined the HR space. And now I think, you know, one needs perhaps to be able to be more flexible, to be more responsive to your clients, whether that's your employees or your business clients. Uh, I'm just, I think agility, resilience are going to be um, really important for HR. And then see, I think the ability to transcend the operational and really question your own work whether that's at the HR director level or a senior looking at, you know, is my team structured in the right way? Am I delivering the right services? Right through to somebody on a HR help desk thinking, actually, is this adding value? Is this a way I could get this? Is this process right? Could I do this an easier way? And actually being bold enough to challenge status quo in a destructive way, mm-hmm. not, a, not a destructive way. And I think that's a change. I, I, you know, I think that, again, looking back over a decade 
I don't know that we encourage those behaviours enough. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think it's more of a cultural shift. Would you agree in the mindset? I agree. Um, I think the global one. I don't, I'm pretty sure it's not unique to the Capgemini culture. I think you know, just yeah, right. yeah. reading the HR press, I think it's very clear that everybody is eager for change, and I think you've really got to embed that in the culture from the bottom to the very top for yeah. for you to be able to successfully create what I call lasting change. I think anybody can create a change. The question is, can you make it stick? Yeah. So what effects, that being said, what effect do you feel you will have HR over the next few years? I'll tell you, I'd, I'd be rich, I think, if I could. <laughs> it's true. Uh, <laughs> I've made a fortune as a consultant, but <laughs> I, I don't think it's complete clear yet. Yeah. Uh, what I think I know um, is that I think expectations are really changing um, employees' expectations. So I, my hypothesis is that employees will accept more I'll call a kind of retail style experience. So whether it's a person's banking or to name drop other firms available, but you know, Amazon, um, you know, to have that more um, streamlined, yeah. streamlined mobile and experience is I think, you know, absolutely will be expected as a matter of course. And I don't think we're there yet as an industry in, in many places, certainly the people I speak to aren't. So, you know, that I think will be a big change for many. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure it's a change, doesn't re- necessarily represent a change to what we do, but I think it changes how we do it. So I suspect it's known that there will be more automation for some competitive tasks, but I think people are worried by that. I think it just changes the work slightly. So if I take an example of the HR help desk, um, at the moment, perhaps you've got a help desk person who's answering a phone call and explaining to somebody how they can access their benefits, for example. Looking ahead, the my chatbot doing that, but the help desk person instead is is going to have to be thinking upstream, thinking, well, okay, what are what are the people asking? What do I need to tell the chatbot so that it can communicate? Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's we're not changing what we're doing. Um, but it's how and the skills that we'll need. Um, and I think, you know, that will also be hugely advantageous for whether it's candidates, employees, um, you know, the idea that you can perhaps go to a website one day, book an email at a time that suits you rather than having mm-hmm. to go with an agent. You know, these things are great things. Yeah. You know, employees now, if we can take a train horse on the bus on the way home as opposed to having to be sitting at a desk or sitting in a meeting room, I think these are huge steps forward. And I think that the, the impact on the business is going to be huge because a lot of that comes down to speed. You know, it's, the speed that people can access information and the speed that you'll be able to achieve tasks will be a lot easier. Yeah, I think that you mentioned um, chatbots because I personally, I've just implemented a chatbot actually in our own website <laughs> to answer some questions um, for, for any of the members that we have. I've already seen massive impact, a massive impact of that. You know, running through, you know, 20 inquiries that I'm going to get per day, and which I actually have to manually respond to. My chatbot's now dealing with those requests. Um, on, on, on a smaller scale than yourselves, but I can already see the impact and how uh, immediately I could see in my head how that would have an impact on HR. Um, some more meaning tasks, which just take a lot of time, right? Um, so, uh, but you are right. It's how you manage it. 
and making sure that the right information is there and then also how talks with all of the other different parts of the business as well because okay. uh, i know from our last event that there's definitely not you know some um very are available now um around hr tech you know a lot of them aren't yet sort of working together with each other although you have um, a lot of things that are automated it does a linking to the bigger picture and you can't use one sort of system to read to use that to your advantage i think we've still got a long way to go um, huge way to go yeah. i think i think integration absolutely is on the pathway of hr and that might not kind of your traditional systems integration as in having everything formally talk to everything else but it needs to be seamless they've got to go six different places to achieve exactly yeah that, 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 that's exactly what i meant and uh, i think it's about making sure that you're always where the attention is and we know right now the attention is on mobile if you want to engage with an employee you know every single employee is going to have a mobile and then they're going to yeah. they're going to engage with you that way you know in this day and age trying to get someone in sort of the new generation to log on to an online portal to go through various steps and then check to find this information it's just you know the adoption rates can be very low um yeah. whether to actually use it whether it's on a mobile it's gonna it's gonna work so yeah. definitely uh, definitely agree with everyone yeah, I, th I think there's probably also a send thing um and i don't know whether this will happen or take off or, or not really um but i think there's a an interest in moving towards what i'll call a more evidence-based practice for hr um, and I'm thinking about the rise of, you know, analytics and predictive analytics. Mm -hmm. um, I've been to a number of events, spoken to a number of practitioners recently who are just really interested in this um, and how they can use analytics to, you know, positively to drive employee engagement, to reduce attrition, um, and to, to make sure that they're delivering what their employees want. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that, you know, we'll see that increasing in importance over the coming years and availability, hopefully. Yeah, definitely. We had a session uh, around that recently with the uh, head of people analytics for Travelex. I can't remember the guy's name now. I have to link him in the description. He's going to tell me off. Um, but that session, um, we, I think I dropped a message to our community. And I think in a matter of hours, it was sold out. <laughs> um, and it was all around prescriptive um, and predict that uh, what's the there's three different versions right so prescriptive predictive and prescriptive <laughs> okay right uh, so there's a lot that, that that was in one of our sessions which was extremely popular amongst our members which was actually yeah. at the time was a big surprise to us but now I see the reasons behind it as well I, I think it will be and I think I think HR practitioners just need to balance the desire to sort of rush to action on this with the kind of the classic mistake is that I guess or not mistake but the thing is to the difference between causation and correlation is something that comes up a lot so you can look at a set of data mm -hmm. and you can see two things see, oh my goodness you know this must be true because these two things correlate um, i.e. if you increase this then this happens but actually to prove causation is you know, much, much, much more difficult and takes a much longer period of time. So I think we're not there yet, but I think it's a topic in which people have a huge amount of interest. Mm -hmm. 
Perfect. Well, as you said before, I think we're we're just starting on this conversation, and uh, I think it's going to be something which is definitely going to be in the forefront over the over the coming years. Um, moving on from that, in terms of your relationship in, internally, of course, uh, the key to any of these changes that you mentioned earlier is is the communication with the wider with the wider team, not only just the the, uh, the board but also the different departments across the business. Uh, one of the biggest challenges, obviously, that, that we have, um, and from hearing from our members, is is basically how to effectively communicate with your senior leadership team. Um, so I'll be interested to know what have you found that works best for you in terms of engaging with and communicating with the other board members and other senior management team. I think, to be honest, the my kind of golden rules for communication are the same for me. I think whether I'm communicating to our board or anybody else in the organization or outside of it. Um, so I have a couple of kind of rules. Um, if you imagine me doing air inverted commas here. Um, so I think they are, you know, communicate often, keep it simple, be inclusive. Um, so, you know, don't limit um, distribution unless you really need to. And then lastly, and, and perhaps most importantly, is, is keep those communications focused on your recipients, i.e. don't write what you think people want to know, but put yourself in the seat of the recipient and kind of look at it from their lens, what would they need to know. And I think if you can do those four things, so often simple, audience-focused and inclusive, I don't think you can go far wrong. Um, Fantastic. Great advice. And um, so where do you see the biggest opportunity at the moment within the business and in terms of the, the, the wider business? And how do you think that HR can help the company deliver on those objectives? Yeah, so I think it's interesting in, in Capgemini, we're obviously in the technology sector. So one of the challenges facing the sector at the moment, not just Capgemini, is that you know we're absolutely determined to increase the number of women in our organization. And I think HR obviously have a role to play in making that happen. So in Capgemini, we've created a, a program called our Active Inclusion Program, um, which is designed both to achieve that as well as making us as inclusive as possible for all colleagues. Um, and it's been a really interesting journey for us. So one of the biggest pieces of education is really that focus on inclusivity, hence the, the choice of words very carefully, active inclusion. Mm -hmm. Helping to edu educate that not excluding is not the same thing as including. Um, and for me, there was a, a bit of an epiphany and I, I went to a conference, sat down next to a, a gentleman who I hope will forgive me if he hears this, but <laughs> I forgot his name. But he gave a story from his organization where um, somebody had joined their organization, uh, a lady. He was chatting to her and she said, oh, well, you know, I, I don't know if it's OK in the office. I, I was about to mention that my wife and I went and did something at the weekend. But, you know, I don't know if people will be comfortable with that. And he said, well, oh, my goodness, why would people be yeah. not comfortable? You know, I'm an ally and, you know, of course we're comfortable. And she looked him in the eye and she said, how would I know? That's true. It's a good point. And well, see, that was a, it was a really important moment for me when I just, you know, I think everybody needs an epiphany in relation to the inclusivity before you really kind of get it. Yeah. 
must be like to live in a world where you're constantly editing yourself mm-hmm. when you're at work. You know, how exhausting is that? Um, so, you know, for, for me, you know, that is a huge focus for our business is, is to create or, you know, continue to be a business in which everybody can come to work and be who they are. Nobody needs to edit themselves at, at Capgemini. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, is, is a real opportunity, I think, in our business and not, not just in ours. You know, we know in the tech sector that this is an industry issue, particularly around gender. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a really important one. And I think it's, you know, for any HR team that is not looking at this, you know, I, I challenge whether perhaps they should be. Yeah. And it's also a very meaningful um, one as well um, to, to, focus, to focus on. And I think, as, as you said, everyone would have assumed that, that that individual would have thought it was okay, but you can't simply assume that people know. No, you um, can't. And I can only yeah. imagine going to work on a daily basis with that as a constant, um, as, as a constant, really, on the on the mind of that individual. As you said, it must be very taxing on 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 on, the, on energy in the mind and yeah, Absolutely draining, absolutely draining, debilitating. Yeah, it's you know actually you know getting people to think about that mm. and think about the language that they use in the workplace, think about how they could be more inclusive, Yeah, I think is important and not so, you know, it's something that, you know, you're constantly worried about what you're saying because I don't think that's great either. Yeah. Um, but I think there are relatively small changes people can make that would really make a world of difference so that everybody knows that, you know, you can come to work and be who you are. Fantastic. Well, that's really what it's about, right? Exactly. <laughs> you have to. You, you spend more than half of your life at work, so exactly. you want to be in an environment where you feel included and you feel accepted, and you feel that you're valued. part of. Our, yeah, is that a value? That is. That's the perfect word. Yeah. Well, well, look, that that leads us on perfectly to um, our quickfire round. So, yeah. um, what I'm going to do is ask you five questions, and okay. uh, you have no more than thirty seconds to give Ooh. us some amazing answers. <laughs> Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> um, so, what was the number one thing that was holding you back from becoming a senior HR leader? Oh, thirty seconds. I think it was accepting that HR was my career. Okay. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I, I wasn't. When I became completely certain that HR was my future, it, it happened very easily. Okay, perfect. And uh, so um, within that, what was the best piece of business advice that you ever received? Focus on your client. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. What's one book that you would recommend to our audience and why? Oh, I couldn't ever recommend one book. It doesn't, I'm, doesn't I'm... have to be HR related. No, no. I, um, <laughs> you can name a few. I... It's fine. House is nearly disappearing under books. So I think that a book <laughs> I'm really enjoying at the moment is a book called Black Box Thinking. Okay. Um, which is all about kind of how you need to work pretty hard to challenge the beliefs that you may hold quite dear. And I would highly recommend that. I think it's been a really interesting read. And who's the author? Of that? Oh, uh, if not, don't worry. I'll find it and I'll yeah. link, I'll link it in the description. There's no problem. <laughs> I'm just looking for it on my bookshelf. I think I, to, I, I will come back to you on that. That's okay. I'll, I'll make sure I'll link that in the description so everyone can see that. And uh, share one internet resource that you use to increase uh, productivity or stay up to date with current events. I am a recent convert to Twitter. Oh. Um, so having written it off for a number of years, I find it a really good way to stay quickly current. 
Fantastic. I think there's so much happening. Just a you know a really getting an insight into what's happening quite quickly. Mm-hmm. I'm finding it valuable. Great, fantastic. Um, what's one thing about your business that um, I know it's hard. This is going to be a hard question. What's one thing about your business that you're most excited about today? I'm sure there's many more than one, but <laughs> I think there are loads more than one. I, I think technology, just the pace of change in technology, and what that means for my day job, and you know the, the amount of fun that you can have at the moment thinking about how we leverage some of these new technologies i think is just fascinating and watching how that unfolds and where it leads i can only imagine there's no there's uh, embracing change and no days the same so it's always good fantastic well look you've given us some fantastic actionable advice so i know our, our members will definitely be better for it so thank you for that um give our listeners one parting piece of guidance and then we'll say goodbye uh, one parting piece of guidance. Uh, I'm not sure I'm completely equipped, but I think if I if I were going to do one thing, I would say you know be client focused and stay current. So perhaps you know be a lifelong learner. Perhaps. Mm-hmm. I think that's a fantastic piece of advice. By the way, um, it's amazing. Um, well, look, thank you again. Really taking um, appreciate you taking the time to join us, um, guys. Make sure you head over to hrddeers.com. There you'll find all of the show notes from the episode, um, everything we've been talking about, timestamps, um, links in the description for all of the resources. Um, Victoria, thank you again for sharing your journey with us. We really appreciate it. And um, I wish you all the best until we next week. Thank you, Chris. It's been a pleasure.